The world is changing quickly. The world of medicine is no different. Understanding how these changes affect you, your practice, and your organization is critical to your success as a leader. At times, the amount of change can seem overwhelming. It feels that there is no order, only chaos. How do we survive in this environment? This is a Cook Children's Podcast. Welcome to Pediatric Leadership, the new medicine with Dr. Justin Smith, helping physicians become innovators in medicine. Now, here's Dr. Justin Smith. Today, we are going to talk again with Mary Yule Bean. If you didn't catch our last conversation, go to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatric leadership and find episode one, What is a Leader? Mary is the BNSF Endowed Professor of Leadership at Texas Christian University Neely School for Business. She teaches in the Advancing Healthcare Leadership class, which is a combined initiative between Cook Children's and TCU. Mary, thanks so much for coming back on again today. It's great to be here. So one of the things I remembered really distinctly from the class was we were having a conversation about changing payment models and there's this sort of growing unrest in the classroom and then finally someone said you know it's just so chaotic it's all chaos and I think you were sitting in the back but you just couldn't like contain yourself anymore so today we're going to be talking about complexity so why don't you tell us what complexity is and why it was so important that you thought you should speak up at that moment Okay. Yeah, I remember that. I I kind of provoked a bit because there was a lot of concern going on in the room, and I think it was tapping into people's fears about the changes in the environment. And what I was hearing was more of a victim mentality. And I think that that occurs because there's so much change happening, people don't know what to do about it. But what I was trying to say was it's not chaos, it's complexity. Well, I did a, a presentation last week at a healthcare conference, and people in healthcare have heard the term complexity, which is why I like interacting with healthcare. But many people don't know what it is, and it can be associated with a lot of big terms. So what I've done is try to boil it down to the simplest way that I can explain it, and I've now gotten it to where I can explain complexity in two words. So the two words are rich interconnectivity. And what we need to understand about that is that complexity is different from complicated. So when we're using the the term complexity, it has a very specific meaning about rich interconnectivity. And that means that when things come together, when they interact and they connect, they fundamentally change each other. So we like to use the example of a jumbo jet versus mayonnaise. A jumbo jet is complicated. When you add parts to a jumbo jet, it gets bigger but it doesn't change the other parts. So when you add the wheel, it doesn't change the metal or the wing. But in complexity, when you add parts together, it changes, it transforms the other component. So a jumbo jet gets bigger, but you can decompose it. You can take it back to the original parts. Mayonnaise, when you mix the ingredients together of lemon, oil, vinegar, you can't decompose that back. It goes through what we call a phase transition. So it's that interconnection that transforms and creates a new state that there's no going back that characterizes complexity. Okay, and I remember also that there was a conversation about complexity that really centered around this term emergence. Can you explain what emergence means? Well, that to me is what is most exciting about complexity is that it gets us thinking about emergence, and that's something that's not typically discussed when we talk about leadership or management. Emergence is an aggregation process. So emergence indicates that there are things happening that link up, and when they link up, they create aggregates. So I like to talk about that in terms of agents, And if you think about an agent as a dot, so I use dots and lines. So agents are things that are out there, if you will. They're trends, they're ideas, they're people, they're technology. 
So think of those as dots. And then what happens is those dots start to link up around some kind of need or some kind of interdependence. And when they link up, they create an aggregate. Well, then it goes to another aggregate and these aggregates get bigger. Well, then aggregates start to find each other. And that phase transition idea becomes really important because at some point in this linking up process, it creates a phase transition where it's something fundamentally different. An example that I, I like to use to think about the dots and the lines is um, if you picture the square in Washington, D.C. when Martin Luther King is giving his I Have a Dream speech. So when I use a slide, I usually have that picture up there. You see lots and lots of heads in the crowd. Um, those are dots. Think of those as dots. Many people think that people came to see Martin Luther King and hear his speech or that he created that movement. That would be the traditional leadership story. But that's not the reality. The reality is those people came because they were interested in civil rights. So they all had different motives for being there, different needs. And what King's speech did was it connected them up. So when he started to talk, you could do a visual of thinking of lines connecting those people. And so more and more connected to the point where now you have a movement. And that became a fundamentally different state from before that event. So that's an example of emergence. And once you have that movement um, going, then people start to take notice and can kind of join in. But until that point, when it's just separate dots, it's kind of hard for someone from the outside to recognize what's going on, I guess. Exactly. And you can't predict it. You don't know when it's going to happen. So you didn't know before that that King's speech would do it. I mean, he, he wrote a speech thinking that I was going to tap into the audience, but even he was probably surprised at how well that worked and how much that connected the people who were there. And so basically then, I guess, if getting to this point of emergence is about having dots connected, then in this world now where we're all so interconnected in so many different ways in real life, through technology, through ideas, and you know, I think it seems like probably we're ripe or prepared for these emergent events to happen. Exactly, and that's why it's happening. So the reason that we're seeing more complexity in today's environment is because we're more interconnected. The world is more interconnected. We see that everywhere. We've got globalization. We have technology that connects us. We have social media that connects us. But in addition to the interconnectivity, the other piece of it that many people are not understanding about today's version of complexity is that underlying it is a fundamental power shift. And that makes it scary, it makes it different, and to me it makes it really interesting. So what's happening in these power shifts is that our traditional control structures and systems, our, our authority systems, what we think we know is authority and the rules, those are changing. It's like the Wild West. There are almost no rules anymore. So organizations that try to operate by certain rules or leaders that try to operate by certain rules find that the rules are, have been taken out from under them. Um, I think that there's a shift happening. It's been happening since about, I would say, 2010 is when I really started to notice complexity getting big and people recognizing it in response to the global financial crisis. And that was a tip. That was a tilt of things falling over. But I think very recently, it's more like a, a foundational shift where the foundation is coming out from under things. And that's happening um, in healthcare. It's also happening in the world. We can see it in the presidential campaign. I think what I'm seeing in healthcare, or a good example of evident healthcare is we're seeing this shift towards like a consumer mindset. And so there's, I can see several dots there. I mean, first of all, we have patients 
consumers who are used to dealing with Netflix and Amazon, and they have a certain level of expectation of customer service. In addition to that, we are much more focused on patient satisfaction now. And then a third dot would be that eventually some of our payment is going to be tied back to those things. So you sort of have three dots there that have a clear line in between them, but it certainly uh, can be scary to us as physicians because we're used to, if you provide the service, you get paid for the service. And that may be changing. And so that level of complexity, um, we need to get ahead of um, and sort of figure out how we're going to engage with that complexity uh, rather than cowering back and just saying, well, we'll see what happens and let's hope it all works out in the end. And I would even say that the other thing that's scary for physicians is that the internet has made the patient more informed. So whereas in the past, the physician was the authority figure, the one with the knowledge, now patients come in with more knowledge, which again changes the basic authority system. You can't control things in the way that you used to. I think a a fantastic example of this kind of shift and the way it impacts leadership is the presidential election. So in the presidential election, we saw last year that Trump came into the campaign. We saw the reaction. The reaction was nobody took him seriously. The Republican Party didn't take him seriously. The media didn't. They thought they were laughing at him and thinking this was something that was going to go away. Almost everyone is shocked at what's happened. This wasn't predictable. But if you think about dots, what Trump has done is connected up the dots. So the dots of the the sentiment that was out there that was created by actions that have been happening, both in the environmental conditions, economic conditions, but also from the leadership of the Republican Party, has created a, a feeling that is anti-establishment. So Trump knew, somehow knew that. I, I'd love to know how he knew that at some point if I had a chance to talk with him because I don't know how a billionaire got to understanding the sentiment of all of these people that he's linking up. But when he talks, he links people up. And so it becomes a tag or a symbol for a new movement. So you can imagine the lines being drawn. And now it's solidified into something fundamentally different. The Republican Party is no longer the same. So you saw that the Republican leaders, when Mitt Romney came out and when Jeb Bush came out, they were trying to say, hey, guys, here's the world. You know, the world is 1980s Reaganomics, or the world is conservativism. Sorry, I can't say that word. Um, That's what the Republican Party has traditionally been, the establishment. But the voters said, no, it isn't. And so that's really scary, and it happened seemingly overnight. It really wasn't overnight. You can look back and see it. But I see similar trends happening in healthcare, where that same kind of thing could happen, where there are enough trends going on that if something or somebody came along to link them up in a certain way, it could create a situation that's fundamentally different. And we're going to talk about, like, in the next podcast, about how organizations can prepare themselves. But what we need to make clear is that organizations can't allow themselves to be on the outside looking in. If you think that your name and sort of brand recognition and your 50-year history in the community is enough, it may be for a time period, but if enough dots connect and the sentiment sort of barrels you over then you're going to be left behind. And I think it's important that even established institutions understand this mindset so that they can be prepared for the changes as they come. Right. So we can see that. And Justin, I think you were a little bit different in that you're not scared by it. So why are you not scared by it in the same way that I see others scared by it? Well, I think for me, I've seen just over my career, I've I've now 
you know, served in three or four different roles, whether it be um, out in primary care practice out in Abilene, where I did everything. I think at that point, it was complex. I mean, I had to know how to manage uh, dealing with the baby who was in the NICU and dealing with them in the middle of the night, waiting for the cook helicopter to come rescue me and pick the baby up and get a phone call from a mom whose baby hadn't had a stool in two or three days. And like ha- trying to understand how you can manage that phone call in a polite way, uh, but still be taking care of that critically ill baby. I think I sort of came to an understanding of it's okay to just take a step back and look at the situation as a whole and realize that for that one mom, that no stool for three days is just as concerning as perhaps the mom whose baby was in the NICU. And so I think I saw then as I moved to Cook and now have seen how a bigger organization works, I've seen that if you actually look and see the changes, you can position yourself in a way that you not only perform at average, but if you're positioned right, you can actually do better than average. But it all has to do with understanding as much as you can about that complexity that's underneath you. And what I hear you saying is that your medical practice has prepared you for that. So actually, physicians might be geared to think this way if they understand what it is and start allowing themselves to, that they already think in a systems perspective. For sure. I mean, we when you're looking at a child who's sick in front of you, particularly one who has more than one issue, you realize intuitively that if I make a change for this condition, it will affect this condition, but it'll also affect other things as well. And you have to take the whole child into consideration. I think that's really what systems thinking is to me. It's I know that if I make a change in this care delivery model, um, it's not just going to affect me and that patient, that the nurse is going to be affected, uh, the custodial staff is going to be affected, um, administration is going to be affected, the health plan is going to be affected. And since Cook Children's has the whole gamut of different service lines, we have to think about it in terms of what will this change do to that downstream effect. And so that, I think, is a great parallel between patient care because there's so many downstream effects for every step that we make. So physicians are prepared. I think it's just that we get so laser focused on like, oh, I don't want my lifestyle or my level of reimbursement to be affected. And then we get defensive. And so then we just pull back and we don't engage because we think, well, there's somebody else who will do it. But the reality is if we want to do it, we have to be the ones who do it. Well, I think the other challenge related to that is that physicians historically tended to be more independent operators and so haven't really thought about how they're part of an organization. Um, they've run their own practices. So being part of a, a bigger organization is a, a really different kind of scenario. I think that that can create a sense of being a victim or being powerless because organizations have power structures in place and physicians are not trained to know how to deal with that. So I yeah. think it's really important important that physicians begin to understand how they're part of the organizational system from you and what you and I have talked about. You've been really good at this, thinking about how you can influence the organizational system to create changes that benefit you. Right. To kind of let you summarize here, if you are prepared, you can step back and realize that it's not chaos and it is complexity and that there's a difference. I think that the biggest thing I hear from people is it's chaos. And when they're describing it as chaos and saying it's chaotic out there, this is horrible, it's terrible, it's affecting us, lives are on the line, chaos is something where there's no order. So chaos means there's absolutely no order. So think of Hurricane Katrina while it's hitting. That's chaos. Um, Chaos tends not to last for very long because even if there is some chaotic event, it tends to then settle down into complexity where there's some element of order. And what that means is that 
you need to change your thinking to understand complexity thinking. Complexity thinking is seeing the patterns or the, the bit of order that's happening in all of these things that are going on around you. So what I like to do in thinking about complexity is look for patterns. Look for, as we've talked about, the dots. Watch trends. I'm a news freak. Um, I'm, I watch all the futuristic stuff. I read to see what kinds of things are happening. Because if you understand those things that are coming, you have real opportunities. What complexity offers that I think is really exciting is opportunities to create exciting change. So if you're a person who at all is frustrated with the status quo, you see the problems of things that are going on, complexity provides the opportunity for you to drive change in a way that makes things much better. All right, so what I'm going to challenge the listeners to do over the next week, we're going to be coming back next week and talking about how you can lead in a complex system. So what I'm going to challenge you to do is to think about your organization, whether that organization be a large uh, multi-specialty hospital system, whether it be a small solo practice, whether it be that you are in nursing leadership at a state organization. I want you to think about your organization and the different pieces that are involved and how each piece interconnects. Because when we come back next week, we're going to talk about a couple of different strategies that you can use to step outside of that complexity to uh, affect change through that complexity. And I would say one final thought I'd like to leave people with is that I know complexity isn't easy, so we don't want to make this sound like it's a wonderful, positive thing. It's really not feel good for a lot of people. I think for you and I, Justin, we kind of we enjoy it. We kind of like it because we're not afraid of it and we understand it. But for many people, it isn't easy. And what I would say is try to get over that by empowering yourself to think about it differently. It can create stress, but really the answer is not to go back to the the way it was. Too many people say, I just want it to go back. And they say to leaders, take me back, make me comfortable again. That's not the key. The key is engaging in the opportunity it provides, experiencing the tension in such a way that it makes you creative and thinking about how we can make improvements. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Mary. And we'll have you back next week talking about leading through complexity. Thank you. You can find more episodes, or if you'd like to suggest a segment, go to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatricleadership.